You are now listening to Chakras and Shotguns. Welcome back to Chakras and Shotguns, episode 31. I'm Jen. And I'm Mick. Welcome back. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. A few things kind of crossed my mind. One, we're on episode 31. Like, I know. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's not crazy. Don't say it's crazy. It is amazing. It is amazing. Like, I am amazed. That we are that we are here. <laughs> I'm amazed all the time. It like you know, we really set our mind to do this. We do it. We sit down. We do it. We put a lot of work into it and thought and bounce ideas off each other. And then I'm amazed that like like people really listen to this and like they give <laughs> us feedback and they like it and yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Second thing that's mm-hmm. got me feeling good. We celebrated our baby over the weekend. Yes. She had a birthday. And I got to see my folks. And that was fun. Um, it was good to just spend some time with them. Had It's been a few months, you know, just with COVID, we haven't been able to, to see them as much as we have in the past. Right. And so it was just kind of great to have them here for a couple of days and hang out. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm, I'm on a high right now. It was a good time. Um, the little shindig came together surprisingly well, not to brag about myself, but (laughs) Martha Stewart does it again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, it was great. Um, seeing everybody and getting to spend some time. And it's also really funny to me when children turn one and everybody's like in their face, like happy birthday. And they're just like, whatever. Like, what is this concept? And you put some cake in front of them and they tear it up. Oh. <laughs> I was worried the way she was eating that cake. Yeah. She enjoyed herself, though. <laughs> she had a good time. Uh, what's up with you, though? Anything else on your mind? A couple of things um, in, like, current events. Mm-hmm. This whole video, there's a video that's going viral about this pastor never mind i've heard people question his credentials but i haven't done the carfax so i'm not gonna do that okay but he his name is mike todd he's in oklahoma okay right up the street yeah and he is known for these like over-the-top displays and metaphors and demonstrations in his sermons and he was preaching on the miracle that Jesus did where he healed a blind man and Jesus spat into the dirt and like made mud, I guess, like a paste and put that over the blind man's eyes and then the blind man could see. Mm -hmm. However, when Mike Todd did this demonstration, he had a parishioner, was a parishioner, a member of the congregation come on to the stage and it has not been made clear to me whether or not this man knew what was coming, like if they discussed this beforehand. But Mike Todd hawked. He didn't just like, 
he like hocked loogies into his hand and then smeared it over this man's face as like this like but wasn't nothing wrong with the man it, it, he never thought he was going to heal the man it was just this demonstration that he thought was like you know really be the bee's knees yeah so i actually couldn't get through the video it was that disgusting to me like as soon as he spit in his hand i was just like i i can't I can't do it. So I had to like hear about this from from Jen <laughs> to like really understand what happened. I was like just completely like angry, I guess, that like this dude would utilize his position of power to disrespect this man like that. That just really bothered me. Yeah, I it gave me like like, I guess, like a power trip, like, you know, that he could defile. I have a thing about spit, first of all. Mm. Like, ever since Pumpkin spit on New York on Flavor, Flavor of Love, Love, that has been something, like, I am not a violent person, but that, that'll, that'll get us tussling, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, spitting on someone is so low and so disrespectful to me that... I just, I, I cannot. And that was pre-COVID, okay? So, post-COVID? Po- do you want Jen to get a felony? Like, don't, don't spit. <laughs> don't spit in my vicinity. I don't want to hear the sound. There are only a certain number of people in my life that I can stand to hear the sound of you hawking a loogie. And my pastor is not one of them. <laughs> um, So, it was just very like, I don't know. Okay, this might be a reach. But it was giving me, like, when R. Kelly was doing those things to those women, like, the infamous tape. Like, it was just, like, how can I demean you Mm -hmm. as much as possible? And I think what was really particularly manipulative and disgusting to me about it was is that when someone was going to call him out on it and when it went viral and people were outraged, it was, I'm trying to help people get to Jesus. Mm. it was so manipulative and like i've started to i definitely recognize the signs of like how that goes through my body like how i filter that out Mm -hmm. is because i'm like well maybe he was just misguided and maybe he just didn't understand that he took this too far but how did you how did you not understand where that line was and where that boundary was there's a lot of questions if the man volunteered for this where what is your mindset yeah what is going on there you know of course i second guess myself and i'm like well maybe i just don't know and maybe everybody was consenting and and they're cool with it and and we all just didn't get it and this is like not for us Mm -hmm. but to me he ended up apologizing he apologized on instagram and it was very, very smiley, smiley politician, super Christian. And I was just like, something else going to come out on him. Mm. That's what I think. I, it just, it, it felt very slimy. Mm-hmm. And it made you feel slimy for thinking it was slimy. And mm. that, I think, is like the real sneaky shit about it to mm. me. That's me. All right. Um, anything else on that before we move on? Nothing else on that. I think the only thing I would want to 
and is like on a personal note i'm trying to i had a reading with melanie esperon love melanie and so we were kind of thinking through a couple of different timelines for like things that you know i'm trying to accomplish and goals and one timeline is much longer than the other one, but it will require me to stay in a work situation that like I'm ready to move on from and evolve from. And the other timeline is like much shorter, but much scarier. And it's kind of like just like jumping off a cliff. And so I'm trying to kind of navigate that. But I was meditating and my meditation practice has fallen way off. Um, and so I'm trying to give myself grace. And so (laughs) I meditated today and I just got the message that basically it's like, I already know that I'm ready to move on from that situation, but energetically and spiritually, I need to embody where I'm trying to move into. Mm. And I need to, um, not to be corny, but vibrate higher. Like if I'm trying to go into some higher level stuff, whether that be spiritual or entrepreneurial or, you know, whatever I'm trying to get to, then I need to embody that. Like we've kind of talked about that before, like feeling rich or feeling in love or feeling happy and like being really mindful about that. And I, it's, it's, it's easier said than done a thousand percent. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the things that frustrate you when you're ready to leave are, like, magnified by a thousand. But I just wanted to impart that message of just, like, when you're ready to move to that next level. Like, you know, feeling yourself in it and also not letting those little things rub you the wrong way. And so that's the challenge I'm giving myself and all of you today. Nice. All right, let's jump into some breath work. I wanted to revisit a breathwork technique that we've done in the past. And that's box breathing. For those of you who may not remember, this is a technique that helps to reduce stress, helps you to relax, and can improve your mood. So it's one that you can try before you go to bed. If you're having trouble sleeping or if you're heading into a big meeting and you want to just make sure you're not too stressed out or jittery. So the way it works is we will breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and then exhale for four seconds. So we'll just do that three times before we jump into the rest of the episode. So let's start now, everyone. Let's sit up straight. Close your eyes. And we'll start by breathing in now. Hold for four seconds. And exhale for four seconds. Inhale for four seconds. Hold for four seconds. And exhale for four seconds. Last one. Inhale for four seconds. 
Hold for four seconds. And exhale for four seconds. All right. Open your eyes and we'll jump into the rest of the show. Thanks, Mick. I'm so excited. If I could clap and it wouldn't ruin the audio, I would do so. Our main topic, we have been teasing forever, like since the trailer, (laughs) forever. And we're finally getting into it today. We're getting into human design. Yes, indeed. We talked about it a little bit here and there, but we didn't want to talk too much about it. So I'm sure some of you are like, okay, what is human design? Maybe you went and Googled it before we even got to this episode. But basically, it's a system we can use to better understand ourselves individually and collectively. It combines a lot of ancient and modern sciences. They include the I Ching, which is an ancient Chinese divination text, the Tree of Life used in Kabbalah, astrology, astronomy, quantum mechanics, biochemistry and genetics, as well as the chakra system. Yeah, that's a lot. I remember when I first read that description when I was like, how, what is this? You know, I think astrology is like the stars. Boom, that's it. You know, um, but to combine all of these different modalities and subjects, I thought was really, really cool. So that definitely piqued like my nerd interest. So using your birthday and birth time, I know this one actually needs your birth time. <laughs> your human design basically gives you a guide to navigate your life. And when you run your human design chart, It's going to be a diagram with lines and shapes and colors and symbols, and it can be super overwhelming. But the objective is to give you super straightforward tools to start experimenting with how you move through the world, like how you move at work, how you initiate projects, how you enter into relationships. If you want to nerd out and find out everything about your human design, like, good luck, because it's a black hole and it'll just keep (laughs) going and going and going. Like, there's so many, like, layers just in your chart alone. There's so many layers and so much information on how you came to be, which I think also gives homage to how complex humans are. Like, you're Mm -hmm. a complex individual. You're not just, like... A robot. No, I I think that's one of the things I love about human design is that it doesn't claim to be new completely. Like it's borrowing from all of these things that are ancient. It's things that people have studied for centuries. And it really just kind of makes a nice pot of gumbo of all these different kind of modalities and tools that we've had around for a long time. So Mm. I enjoy that. To really kind of dive into where it started. So human design was discovered by Ra Uruhu in 1987. So relatively new in terms of a spiritual discipline or modality. So Ra Uruhu says that he had a mystical experience 
followed by an encounter with what he called a higher level being. And the experience lasted for eight days and eight nights. The whole time he was receiving downloads. And once he was done downloading, what was transmitted was the entire human design system. Can we just talk about like 1987, pre-cell phones? Like I could not just go completely off the grid for eight days and eight nights. Like somebody would have came looking for me. Mm-hmm. You ain't answering my texts. I ain't seen you tweet. You ain't posting nothing. You ain't like none of my stories. Like someone's going to be looking no, for right. me. And he was just like, yep. I took like over a week mm-hmm. and completely downloaded this whole system and like nobody bothered him. That's wild. Wow. Freedom. Mm. I also remember hearing the story for the first time and I was like, what kind of freaky shit is this? (laughs) But I was just like, what? I think one of the tellings of the Ra Uruhu story was a lot more fantastical. It was, and not in a bad way, but I just think like the storytelling was just very like, almost like, a story of lore. It was just like, and Mm -hmm. he fell down in a pool of sweat and (laughs) the information beamed into his body. But I mean, the more I got into like my own spiritual journey and having my own mystical experiences, I started looking at downloads and encounters with higher beings like very differently. And really, I think, you know, we've somewhat touched on this conversation a little bit like when we talk about the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because I think that As Christians, we read stories all day long about people having interactions with angels, with God, you know, himself or herself, Mm -hmm. themselves, with God. And I feel like the takeaway for the modern day Christian is very much so they were chosen. They are special. They are the exception. I don't have access. Like you can pray, but it's like a one way conversation Mm -hmm. and i think there's also like a misconception like there's pastors and and quote-unquote prophets who say they hear from god Mm -hmm. but i always remember like sitting in church being like they're special that's not my journey i don't get the it's not a two-way street yeah and I think this spiritual journey has turned that on its head like when you look at other religions and spiritualities and modalities and you know we've talked about how everyone is a little bit psychic and when you really like break those things down to their fundamentals it's really just accessing higher frequencies of information and vibrations right yeah so a prime example of this is i randomly think about stuff like this all the time is that you know some of the things that we think are ordinary occurrences that are like oldest time, who was to say that that wasn't a download? Like that wasn't a spiritual experience. Like who really thought to heat up sand and figure out that it was going to make glass mm-hmm. and manipulate it like that? Like who who came up with that? Like we always talk about the pyramids, right? Mm-hmm. Like how did they you know, create these structures that are so perfect without, like, bulldozers and cranes Mm -hmm. and all of these things with, like, just man-made power. Like, who, you know, and then there's, like, a whole conversation. Like, they say, like, aliens did it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Black people get upset because they're like, oh, you saying Black people couldn't come up with that themselves. And, you know, but it's just, like, I think 
the takeaway from that is there was probably some type of divine intervention. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what it what it was because they didn't write about it in Babylon where mixes all the <laughs> files are kept. <laughs> um, but like for me, like I love food, right? And so like sometimes I'll just like sit and I'll be like, who saw some wheat and say, you know what? I'm gonna grind that up and I'm gonna make flour. And then they made flour and then like what was that? It's dust. Like what 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 is that? And someone said, I'm gonna put an egg and I'm gonna put some sugar. And I'm gonna put some oil or some butter in it. Like who who came up with oil? Who figured that out? Yeah. Was that, you know, mm-hmm. someone could say like it was like years and decades and centuries of experimentation by humans and evolution or whatever, but maybe somebody gently nudged somebody and was like, hey, put some sugar in that mm-hmm. and then put it in the oven, <laughs> baking in a pan. <laughs> pat a cake, pat a cake. I don't know. So once I like really kind of started to think about it like that, and it's like the limiting beliefs, the conditioning, and kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, who's to say like this didn't happen? And I just suspended disbelief. I think Mm -hmm. that's been a huge part of my spiritual journey. Let's suspend disbelief and just see where we Mm -hmm. end up. It was really, really cool to dive into human design once I just like completely took that part out of it and just Mm -hmm. started to experiment with it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I know when I first heard the Ra Uruhu story, this was like pretty early in our spiritual journey. And I was still kind of a skeptic about certain things. And I was like, okay, it's 1987. The cocaine is great in the 80s. <laughs> Got that pure Colombian. And he just passed out sweating and was writing some stuff down. And I just kind of dismissed it at that. I was like, you know, I'm not going to even like focus on the origins of it. I'm going to learn about the system, see if it applies to me. And it did. And so then that made me like start to look more into it. And then as our spiritual journey, as you mentioned, kind of progressed, I became more comfortable with the idea of him having this like divine interaction that Mm -hmm. led to it. So I will say besides like my 30 plus years of conditioning and logic and being like, I see, I believe what I see, like what I can touch and hold and feel. And like suspending that, another part of my belief that I've had to suspend is what you will find in some of these modalities like human design or gene keys or like other things is that the downloads are given to white men. Because mm, mm-hmm. Ra-Uruhu, like his real name's like Rich or something. Mm-hmm. And that's been frustrating for me. Yeah. But then I was talking, I was actually talking to Mick about this one day. Do you remember what you said to me? What's that? You were saying, I was like, so why are white men getting all of these downloads and these, these like huge inventions that like completely shift the collective? And you were like, maybe because the higher beings knew that the people would listen to the white men at the time. I do not remember saying that, but that's deep. (laughs) So shout out to me for saying that to you. Shout out to me. This is silly. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's sad, but it is something to think about. It's like, well, maybe to broadcast the message as much as possible, we had it we had to put it in the hands of the people that at the time society was would look to. Yeah. It's like the ends justify the means, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not saying that those men weren't worthy, but I was like, where are the women? Where are the people of color? Yeah. 
And maybe they didn't, maybe they also didn't have the resources to amplify that. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a philosophical conundrum. Yeah, because to your point, who's to say that they didn't, and we just haven't heard about it because they didn't have the resources to amplify it. That's also what you said. Yeah. Are you remembering this conversation now? No, but it's coming out again. Okay. (laughs) And we're there. So at this point, we've heard the Rock Uruhu story. We've suspended our disbelief about it. We've gotten over the uncomfortability. Uncomfort? Discomfort. Oh, my gosh. We've gotten over the discomfort of what that kind of means, the patriarchy and all that. And we start experimenting with our own human designs. And so for me, like, I started experimenting with it. I've watched Mick embody his. And and also, like, of course, you find out something like this and you want to know what your sister, what your brother, what your mama, <laughs> what your daddy. You want to know everybody's human design. People are so tired of us asking for their birth times. And... <laughs> But, like, we started to see how people embody their type. Like, it's really, really fascinating that something so, I think to us, to, like, Western cultures, something so small as the time that you entered the world kicking and screaming determined how you're going to function in the world and how you're going to show up for Mm -hmm. the collective. So it's, like, really, really cool to see. So if you don't know your human design type, now I'm finally getting to like how you can find your chart, right? Because I know you're like, come on, Jan, get to it. If you don't know your type or you never ran your chart, you can do it for free on geneticmatrix.com, which is a site that I really like, and mybodygraph.com. So we really like both of those sites. We've used both of those to run people's um, human design charts. You want as precise of a birth time as possible. Like with astrology, you can fudge a little bit or like you can kind of like miss parts of your chart if you don't have your birth time. But unfortunately, with human design, you want it to be as precise as possible because it's tracking the transits. It's a, it, there, Astrology is a big component of it. So it's like it's tracking the transits of the stars and how that was all moving when you were born. So you want it to be precise because I think like a 30 minute difference can shift things. Yeah. Actually, it's even closer than that because my mama told me, I said, mom, what's my birth time? And look, my mom, she couldn't tell you the plot of a movie that she's seen three times. So when my mama told me <laughs> you were born at 1.13 p.m., I just knew. I was like, are you sure? She was like, absolutely. I'm absolutely positive. And I'm an only child. So I was like, oh, she knows. And so I put that in and I got my type and it kind of fit. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess, maybe so. And then she was randomly looking for something. She was like, ooh, it was 142. <laughs> and so I put that in, completely different chart, completely different human design type. And when I read that one, I was like, oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. It's a me, Mario. Um. So, yes, you want to have as precise of a time as possible. I think for, like, our target audience, most people were probably born in a hospital, you know, unless you had, like, some crazy story about being, like, born in in a car in traffic. Mm -hmm. So, thankfully, most people can find their birth time. Like, you can order your birth certificate and it should be on there. You know, we've done some of that work for family members and loved ones. Um, 
but you know, like I think if you kind of go further back, like you know, my mom's from the country, and like my grandmother had all home birds, and like nobody was checking <laughs> what time people were born, and so um, that can be a little bit difficult. There are some human design readers that actually can do like this, like reconciliation and like figure it out, oh. but they are very obscure. I'm I'm gonna try and dig up the one that I saw in passing one time, but they're very hard to find. And I think it's like very complicated work. Interesting. So you put your birthday and your birth time in and you get this chart, like I said, and it looks like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Now what? Mumbo jumbo is kind of an understatement. I remember looking at my human design chart and being completely lost and overwhelmed. I was like, what the hell is all this? There's just so much information, so many different symbols and numbers and words that didn't make any sense that it was just very hard to understand initially. There are whole podcasts out there that only talk about human design. They have as many episodes as we have, if not more, that only talk about this system. We want to give you guys an intro, though, And so we've decided to have a few different episodes covering human design broken down into nice little chunks that we think can help you guys better digest the system. So we're going to first talk today about energy type and strategy. The five energy types of human design are manifester, generator, manifesting generator, projector, and reflector. And one thing before we really dive into the types with any of these systems, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, which is racist. I just want everybody to remember that Myers-Briggs is racist. (laughs) Even astrology, there can be an urge to become tribal over your type. And, you know, like the whole like, oh, you a Gemini man. Mm, I don't know. You know, us Virgo queens, blah, 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 blah. Even though I'm an Aquarius. But, you know, Virgo queens are very smug about being Virgos. (laughs) You can feel very tribal about like when you find out your type and be like, yeah, I'm a manifester. Or what I have also seen um, just personally with like friends and even on Reddit, because like I really went to a black hole and I was like trying to just absorb all the information I could about human design when I found out about it. On Reddit, somebody had written in and they were like, I'm this type. And they were like the same type as me. And they were like, this is the worst type that I could ever possibly be. What do I do? And I just hate this and I hate my life. And it's like, this is decided by your birth time, baby. Like, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. But I think what we have to remember is it's like the human design system to to us, like how we think about it is it's giving you the tools to better navigate how you move through the world so you can better show up for the collective. It's like to help us all be better together. So it can sound a little like, eh, you know, kind of yeah. woo-woo, but... Um, that's really the goal. It's like, you know, we need each and every type to get shit done. And so, like, you have to show up as a fully realized individual and, like, at your best, you help us all. Absolutely. So let's get into the types. We'll start first with manifestors. So these are life's go-getters. They start things. And they are somewhat rare. Only... 8% of the population are manifestors. They have the power to initiate ideas and projects and bring them into the world. They are born doers, eager to make things happen. But to do that, they need the collective. They need other people. 
their strategy to be their best selves is to inform. And so what that means is they need to inform others of the things that they want to create. Manifestors will will get these lightning-like surges of energy where they feel very creative. And then they'll experience these periods of crash. So they really struggle with having consistent energy all of the time. And a lot of times a traditional nine-to-five job can be difficult for them. One thing about manifestors is that Their presence can oftentimes push people's buttons. They're the only type with what's called a closed aura. So basically others feel like they can't figure the manifestor out. They try to control the manifestor. Children who are manifestors, they may have experienced being misunderstood or feeling like they're being restricted or controlled. If kind of that conditioning of being controlled sticks. They come out of childhood a lot of times angry or feeling like they have to be people pleasers. On the upside, though, manifestors have a tremendous ability to motivate and propel people to bring a project to life. A few famous manifestors, Maya Angelou, Al Gore, Neil Armstrong, Frida Kahlo, and the founder of the human design system, Ra Uruhu. Yeah, I think the the famous manifestors are great examples of like what that energy type is, like Al Gore, father of the internet. <laughs> I mean, Ra Uruhu, like he initiated this entire system, like he brought this system into like, you know, the earthly plane, like, yeah. you know, our consciousness and like for us to interact with it. Um Neil Armstrong, man on the moon. And of course, like Maya Angelou and Frida Kahlo were like artists of their own right with like very innovative uh, ways of approaching their art. So, no, I, I even think about Al Gore with his bringing climate change to consciousness, right? Yeah. Like, I don't really know how much he had to do with the internet. Like, everybody's like, Al Gore's internet. That's like, a, that's like a running joke. So I don't really know how much he actually had to do with bringing it to, to fruition. I know it was like a project of the military that had already been going on. And so I need to probably do some research on how he, what his role was. But yeah, when I think about Al Gore initiating something, I think about, inconvenient truth and like that was like one of the biggest things that kind of brought climate change into popular culture Mm, that's a good point i want to dig a little deeper on strategy and just kind of flesh that out a little bit too because it was kind of buried in there if you if you were kind of like not really paying attention so basically the strategy is like what you need to do before you move like how can you move? How can you um, bring a project to life or join something or, you know, enter into a relationship? Like, what is the best strategy for you? And manifestors are the only ones that can actually, like, really, truly initiate, like, just on their own. So really, their strategy is to initiate. But because of that closed aura, People are kind of like, I don't really know what to do with you. So their strategy becomes that they need to inform others of what they're doing. And that invites people into that closed aura so they can feel like, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that project. Yeah. Like you're kind of letting them see behind the wall, like get a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, get a little bit inside so they can like see what you're doing and like really sign on. Got it. One thing I wanted to point out about the manifester energy type 
Just that naming manifester, I think when I initially heard it was a little confusing just because there's the kind of larger umbrella manifestation that we talked about like two episodes ago, right? Mm. And I don't want people to get confused and think that manifestors are the only ones that can manifest. Like we can all manifest. The manifestor's energy type as a part of the human design system like is different from that overall kind of manifestation topic. Yeah. And that's been a complaint that people have had about human design is like some of the language is like you kind of have to figure out what they're really trying to say, because without getting too deep on a tangent, like there are actual there's actual information on each person's human design chart on how they manifest. It doesn't matter what your type is, like how you best manifest things to come to you. So if it if it helps, maybe you think of like manifestors like initiator, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like everybody can manifest. Exactly. Thank so you for one, bringing that up. Yeah, just wanted to clear that clear that up. On to generators. They represent 37% of the population. They have the momentum to keep going and going and going. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> I just thought about um Marshawn Lynch. Like I wonder <laughs> just over and over and <laughs> over again. Um, so even when others are fading, like they're the Duracell battery, like they just keep, keep going and keep going and keep going. Their challenge generators is to know how and where best to apply this enormous energy. So their strategy is actually to respond. And because what, what can happen with a generator is they get a project, you know, someone assigns them a project at work. They're going to work and work and work and work and work, even if they don't really think it's worthwhile. But mm. They're going to work their asses off to do it. So what generators should do is view themselves as a magnet and let people and openings and opportunities seek them out. So remember our episode on the secret and manifest it. Was it manifestation? Manifest. Mm. <laughs> I've slept since then. Um, Our episode on the secret and law of attraction. So start to think of themselves as a magnet and those opportunities to come to them and respond to those things that they attract. They're more likely then to find something that really lights them up that's worthwhile of their work and their work ethic. Generators have to learn to listen to their gut and wait for... The response is like colloquially called like a hell yeah or a hell no response. Like if somebody's like, you want some pizza? Hell yeah. You want to go like run 10 miles? Hell no. <laughs> like it's very, very simple what that what that response is in their gut. So getting in tune with that, not overanalyzing and getting in their head. Like I don't want to run 10 miles, but like maybe I should. I probably feel better, but I probably won't. But maybe I could. You know, just that initial like, mm mm, and like going with that and trying to trying to go with that energy because they're dedicated and hardworking and can be workhorses. And like, I'm not trying to say that like in a like derogatory way, but like generators work. They come to work. <laughs> they have to watch out for people taking advantage. And they have to make sure that they're policing their boundaries because in a work situation, they could easily find themselves doing doing work that doesn't really light them up. But like 
a project manager putting them on the project being like, you know what? Their work is tedious as fuck. They'll go do it. Um, they won't complain. They'll work all night. They'll go to sleep. They'll get up in the morning. They'll start all over again. And that's what I need on this project right now. But that's not really what they want to do. So they have to they have to mind that in particular. As children, they they could grow frustrated if they were stuck doing an activity that they did not have that real instinctual pull and want to do. So generators keep the world moving. It's easy. Sorry. I'm going to pick this up after I'm talking about policing their boundaries. Okay. So because generators can keep the world moving along, it's easy for others to take advantage of that. Like you want a generator on your team because they're going to do the work, but the generator really has to check in with themselves as to is this what they really, really want to be doing? As children, generators could grow frustrated if stuck doing an activity that they really did not have that instinctual pull to really want to do. I feel like it's like that classic story like you would see on like ABC Family of like the kid who is like training for the Olympics, but they like crying in the car because they really don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) But they've been doing it and they were like, I've been doing this on, oh, on sex education. Oh, yeah. The the character who was like top head boy. Yeah, he was a swimmer. Yes, he was a swimmer. And his mother really, really wanted him to be like this champion swimmer. And he was like, I don't like this, but I'm good at it. And he worked hard at it. So he felt like he should have liked it. But if he had really checked in with himself, he didn't really enjoy it. And that mm-hmm. wasn't what he really wanted to do. Says so Sex Education on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. So, again, remember... Make sure that you're going where your energy is best directed and appreciated. Some famous generators, Oprah, Muhammad Ali, and Beyonce. I think Beyonce is a perfect example because people talk about her work ethic all the time, about how, like, she just does stuff over and over and over and over again, how she'll, like, record a million songs. Like, there was, like, some story with this engineer where they recorded they recorded for like 36 hours straight or something. And they were like chugging um, five hour energies and like got super sick. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. like you're you're only supposed to have like a certain amount during a, peri- a certain period. And like they both got like super ill. I think she's like a prime example of that. I think that um, she responds to like what she wants to do. I feel like you definitely saw that after she broke away from her father. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also a great example because I think people get their type. And if they're not a manifester, they think that they can't do anything new. Like they can't Mm -hmm. start a business. They can't do a new project. And she is a shining example of responding to the things that she wants to like, hell yeah, do. And they do amazingly well. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just like off the strength of like her being Beyonce. I think it's just she like, works her ass off for it and really goes with like what really drives her and what she really, really wants to do. That makes sense. Cool. So moving on to manifesting generators. So manifesting generators, they make up about 33% of the population. So if you're keeping track at home, the majority of the population is going to fall into the generator or manifesting generator bucket. 
And actually, there has been some debate about if manifesting generators should be their own energy type. It was kind of something that happened kind of later as as more people got into human design that they decided to break out manifesting generators away from kind of the general generator bucket. The manifesting generator is somewhat of a hybrid between the manifestors and the generators, and they have kind of their own unique qualities. So that's what kind of led to making them their own energy type. Their strategy is also to respond, so similar to the generators, and basically follow that same hell yeah, hell no gut response that generators have, but they also have the ability to initiate and make things happen as long as they kind of get that green light first. So then they kind of fill it out, dip a toe in the water and get a confirmation on their gut feeling that they received. Then they can really determine if it's a true yay or nay. Uh, Manifesting generators can go so fast when they're committed And they're still on the lookout for the next thing while they're going. So this can make them really restless and kind of all over the place. What ends up happening is they can have several plates in the air and and several interests. Because of that restless energy, they can struggle to find the patience to wait for their instincts to, to proceed. They can be somewhat tricky employees to understand unless they really have that that free room to operate. And that really comes into play because they have like the generator energy that Jen talked about already, that workhorse energy, but they also have that manifestor energy to be a pioneer. So it just kind of creates this dissonance as an employee. They can come off as indecisive and their parents probably struggled with them wanting to change their mind often. If they're conditioning as a child stuck, they may feel like they they can't change their minds. And they may find themselves doing things that instinctually don't feel good. Famous manifesting generators, Britney Spears, Megan Thee Stallion, and Donald Trump. When I saw that Donald Trump was a manifesting generator, <laughs> I was like, of course he is. Because, like, so that whole gut instinct response and how it's like so like a generator gets that like hell yeah and they just they get to work a manifesting generator it's kind of like a preliminary like this is my gut reaction my initial thoughts is yes but then if I start to feel it out and I ain't feeling it it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> and so I just feel like we kind of saw that with the presidency. He was like, yes, we're going to do this. Da, 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 da. And then like something would change his mind. He'd be like, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> and it came off. I think like societally, it'll come off like very like childish. And I mean, maybe it was also him, but he may have been re- being really true to his energy of just like I dipped a toe into the water. It's not a resounding yes Maybe I could have played that card a little closer to the vest before I made my decision, but I'm just going to let this all play out at, you know, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, So that was, seeing that was Donald Trump, I was like, yeah, that's interesting. Next up, projectors. So we're leaving the land of go, go, go with the generators and the manifesting generators. We're talking about the projector. So their strategy is to wait for the invitation before they are able to share their gifts. Projectors are 21% of the population. 
They're super chill, easygoing, and people are drawn to them. They're very easy networkers. They can link up people easily, whether that's professionally or if they're playing matchmaker. Like, they're the person where you're like, hey, do you know this person? They're like, yeah, I know that person. And I know this person and that person and that person. Or you're like, hey, do you know where I could find someone who is in entertainment and like entertainment law. And they're like, oh yeah, I know somebody. Like, of course they knew somebody. They're the person where it's like, of course you know somebody. (laughs) Um, So, you know, they're the movers or shakers. I want to call them like the liaisons. Mm. That sounds real sexy, right? Mm -hmm. The liaison. (laughs) Um, But they can also disengage completely. Um, they're they're boring guides, managers, coaches, administrators that come alive when they're steering that energy of those around them. So this invitation that they're waiting for, this can be a legit invite, you know, like come to this event on Tuesday at 7 p.m. <laughs> like a paperless post for yeah. <laughs> RSVP required. OK, or it can be a very subtle feeling. Um, some of the, some of the materials we read, it's like, it can be a glance of just like, what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, especially romantically, you Little know? eye contact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say eye some mills, but. <laughs> so it can also be like feeling like you're being called to do something. Um, I think that's a little bit more tricky because that's like this very subtle invitation versus like explicit, like, I want you to come and speak on this panel tomorrow. And it's like, okay, I'm being asked to share my gifts in this space versus, you know, I feel like I should write a blog. I'm feeling called to do that. I think you have to really get grounded in your like inner world and like how you're feeling and get really still to like really hear and feel those urges to do something like that if you're a projector. The invitation and the recognition, it has to feel authentic. So, you know, if someone's kind of like, hey, you want to like, you want to like come over and like, I don't know, like maybe chill. It's like that might not be your real invitation. (laughs) Really what it comes down to is a projector needs to feel recognized and appreciated before they can like really shine. And it's not about ego. It's just about. I guess you would kind of think of it as like, I'm not going to, and this is probably a good thing for everybody to learn from. It's like, I'm not going to share myself with you if I don't know beforehand that you're going to appreciate it fully. Mm. So you get nothing. Okay. (laughs) I feel like that's kind of a good rule of thumb. Like you're putting yourself out there to, to what could be crickets or disinterest or being taken for granted and it's like i'm not i'm not showing up i'm not even thinking about showing up until i know that this is going to be fully appreciated mm. so they can definitely see this in the workplace in relation and in romantic relationships right like i i definitely think like the appreciation part can definitely come up in romance i mean and in capitalism too but i think in romance it's like do you appreciate me are you taking me for granted I really need to be invited. I think this person would need to be courted, especially for like women. Like they want to feel like pursued. They want to feel like their partner is being very intentional about 
being around them. Mm-hmm. So one thing I love about projectors is that they need naps. And I see you. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the type I was mistyped as. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love a nap. But that was like the only thing I had in common <laughs> with the projector. And I was like, I don't know. Um, so they love naps. And they can't be go, 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 go like everybody else. They, um, this actually could have been a really sore subject for them growing up because they could be misperceived as lazy because they can't. And it's not their fault. They just, they're they're never going to be able to keep up with a generator. It just does not make sense for them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The way their energy set up is just not there. (laughs) They can also have come out of childhood feeling like they need to do more to get noticed or recognized. And I think the beauty of a projector is it's not about like the quantity of what you're doing. It's that you're just showing up and bringing your gift into the world and it should feel effortless. But you also do still need your rest. Deconditioning for a projector would look like learning to wait for the right environment and the right company to draw them in. And when I say right company, I mean that could be people or organizations. Then they truly feel empowered. But I think waiting requires a level of patience and Mm -hmm. security and like knowing that something is coming and also listening too, because you could be getting invited and not paying attention. So I feel like it takes... A lot of maturity, I think, to like really hone in on the strategy of a projector. Yeah. Some famous projectors, Barack Obama, Nelson Mandela, Cardi B, and Kanye West, Mm. which I thought were interesting. That is interesting. There is a school of thought, actually, that projectors are the new leaders as they galvanize people to use their energy effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the day, they used to say manifestors were what were royals. Mm-hmm. So like kings and queens and like they initiate the idea and then everybody kind of goes and does it. But projectors are kind of the ones that are like, oh, you have an idea. Let me bring the right people into the room. And like they're really managing the project to bring that idea to life. And like they're the ones that are supposed to be the new the new leaders. Yeah, I think projectors are super interesting. I feel like they got to be the ones that are on top of their email inboxes the most. Mm-hmm. Look out for these invitations. Also, just like, it's interesting that like, they have to wait. Like, like Barack, I, I think about Barack Obama and how he was, they tell the story about how, I think Harry Reid, who was the, is, who was in the Senate mm, at the time. He just passed, right? Yeah, he did just pass. Yeah. I think it was Harry Reid. I could be getting the wrong guy, but basically approached Barack about running for president, right? So that was that's how he got his invitation mm. to throw his hat into the ring. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Thinking like, you know, we think uh. about the, the president as being like this go-getter and, and jumping out there. And he was even living his human design by waiting for that invitation to go out and become the nominee. Yeah. And when you think about his cabinet, and like the people he surrounded himself with, it was just like he had the best person for this and the best person for that. And like all these different minds that he was able to like people were like, yeah, sign me up. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So last but not least, we have the reflectors. They are super unique. They only make up 
1% of the population. They live their life in a super unique way and the world just doesn't really expect them to, to live the way that they do. Reflectors draw in everyone else's energy and they reflect it back. So this makes them really empathetic, extremely sensitive, very perceptive, and potentially wise as they witness kind of the different energies of others passing through them. Because reflectors are energetic mirrors, people can see themselves reflected back. But we have to ask, are they actually seeing the individual reflector? Reflectors can oftentimes have poor boundaries because they're being leaned on by others. People may emotionally dump on reflectors, seeking out their wisdom and advice. Reflectors can also feel overwhelmed by the the energetic chaos of others. Their strategy for their best selves is to actually connect with the moon. I remember when I first read that, that was seemed very random and weird. (laughs) But what has been shown in this system is that if they kind of watch the lunar cycle closely, they can start to notice that their moods correlate with the different phases of the moon. So one of the strategies that people talk about with with reflectors is is that they should wait for a full lunar cycle before making any big decisions. This allows them time to kind of go within and disengage from the energies of others and really hone in on their own feelings. In childhood, reflectors could seem wise beyond their years and may have appeared withdrawn. Because of this, parents of reflectors may have pushed the reflector child to be more social when really being alone would have served them the most. Some famous reflectors, Sandra Bullock and H.G. Wells. And I'm trying to find some uh, melanated reflectors. But, I mean, they're 1% of the population, y'all. So, <laughs> And they like to be alone, so they might not be famous. I I did what I could with what I had. <laughs> I said, H.G. Wells? Damn. Like, <laughs> do we got anybody from it was 2000? Like, I think one of them was like Dostoevsky. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> What? <laughs> but y'all know Sandra, you know, Miss Congeniality. <laughs> okay, y'all, that was a lot. That was a whole lot. And we're very appreciative that you were still with us thus far. So now that we got through the types, I wanted to talk a little bit about being in alignment with your type. So human design, you know, remember, it's a very complex chart, but it really reduces it down. I love this, that it reduces it down to these themes of like when you're in alignment, when you're not in alignment. And it's one word, it's one feeling. So it really captures how you should feel. So for manifestors, when you're in alignment, you are at peace. And when you're out of alignment, you're experiencing anger. For generators and manifesting generators, when you're in alignment, you experience satisfaction. When you're out of alignment, you're experiencing frustration. Manifesting generators, remember there's somewhat hybrids, they can also experience anger when they're out of alignment. For projectors, when they are in alignment, they experience success. And when they're out of alignment, they experience bitterness. And finally, for reflectors, when in alignment, they experience surprise and delight. 
And when out of alignment, they can experience disappointment. So I think it's a cool exercise to kind of take your own, what's called your not self theme, like you're out of alignment, like for a manifesting generator, you know, what are you frustrated about in your life? Like what really frustrates you? And on the flip side, your signature theme, what you experience when you are in alignment, what's giving you satisfaction right now? Mm -hmm. And kind of looking at it from that lens and saying, okay, how can I bring more satisfaction in my life? How can I use these strat my strategy and some of these tips to how can I apply them to other areas to turn that frustration into satisfaction? So I think that, that was really cool. All right, yeah. I think that's dope. So why don't we talk a little bit about our own human design energy types and our experience living those types yes so i am a manifester if you listen to the trailer i'm a manifester queen so (laughs) i'm a manifester um that's like that's my type because it's so hard i'm like holding back because there's so much more i can tell you about my chart but i'm a manifester that is my energy type and i think i'm still coming into my power and like recognizing what that is I think that for me, how I experienced it to be true was unfortunately how others interacted with me Mm -hmm. from childhood on. Situations where I felt like, so manifestors get um, a lot of uh, projection Mm -hmm. because their aura is closed. So sometimes when people don't understand, they'll just explain whatever they want to explain. So it'll be like, oh, she's this or oh, she's that. And I'd be like, I don't understand. I, I've I've done nothing to show you that I was any of these things. Mm. And I don't know why you've decided that I am X. And um, it's because they're trying to control because they can't understand. It's almost like cognitive dissonance or like, you know, like something's not computing and like your brain fills in the rest of the picture, which is, I guess, what your eyes do, actually. <laughs> So like that, that's where that projection comes from. It's like, I'm trying to control this person because for some reason their aura is not letting me in and I can't fully see who they are. So I'm going to paint the picture. And that was very frustrating for me. Also experiencing like the sense of control, like people trying to control me as a child. And like, for me, that ended up with like people pleasing behaviors. Like I didn't really come out of it super angry Mm -hmm. but i do get pissed when (laughs) (laughs) certain things i'm like i think a prime example is like when i don't feel control over my schedule i get angry if i don't feel control over my project if i feel micromanaged you know i've had situations where i'm like well you just tell me exactly how you want me to do it then because what's the point what's the point of me being independent and freely thinking through this project so I think that's where it'll like come out. It's like I get I can get super, super angry, especially when it's around being controlled mm, mm-hmm. for sure. But having to inform has been interesting, too, because I think for anybody, if you have a new idea, especially like a business idea, 
or something like entrepreneurial or something that you want to do or like, I don't know, even if you want to take like a hip hop dance class, I don't know. Sometimes you don't want to tell all your business all the time. (laughs) And that's been tricky. And I think actually I follow some accounts that specifically talk to manifestors and they say it's like the hardest thing that you have to do, but you have to do it because you have to let people in. So then they can basically get to work to help bring your dream come true. But what I will say is we actually had a human design reading at the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was mind blowing for me because I've had astrological readings. I've had, you know, I've seen like Enneagram and felt like I got read or whatever. But the human design one, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I got permission to be myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's less about putting you in a box. It was actually one of the most freeing type finding situations that I've ever been in. It's like. Yeah, it was a like a, a self-discovery moment, right? It, it was like, whoa, like, OK, I see this. Like, yeah. Or it, it almost like, like you said, permission to be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's that like acknowledgement of yourself in in what you're reading about right in terms of your chart so it's it's interesting versus like a bunch of descriptions yeah that are assigned to you yeah like you're flaky or you're innovative or you're brilliant or you're stingy like it was more so like this is who you are and there's so much power on your chart that's uniquely you yeah and this is how you can best leverage this to move through the world in the in in a way of ease yeah, no, I, I think we talked about this a little bit in our astrology episode where I think Pooja and I talked about how horoscopes are meant to be like this broad, you know, stroke for a large amount of people. And as you kind of like get more into like your your rising, your sun, your moon and the combination of all these different elements, it gets even more personalized. And so then you start throwing on all these other systems that human design, you know, encompasses and it gets really specific to who mm-hmm. you are. Right. So. It's um just really fascinating to see it come to life when you look at that paper. What's your experience as a as your type? So before I go there, I wanted to talk a little bit about my manifester boo. Oh, okay. You can talk about me. <laughs> so it's interesting. I remember when I was talking to my friends and was pretty much saying that like Jen is the one, right? I just was thinking about how different she was and how unique and special she is. And like, I had no idea of anything about human design and come to find out she's like part of 8% of the population. So it was like dead on that she was special and someone I needed to make sure I held on to. So I just want to say that real quick, but no, watching your journey as a manifester and seeing you escape some of the conditioning that you talked about before from your your childhood and feeling like you were controlled and were kind of buried in this people pleasing i think to to now watch you and we talked a little bit about some of your projects but like you've really jumped into saying no i want to do this i'm going to bring this into the world i want to bring this beauty into the world i want to bring whatever this vision that you have into the world and freely going around and speaking about it. Mm. And so I've seen you do that. And yeah, just see my manifester queen out here shining and really embodying her human design. So it's dope to see. Oh, you're so sweet. 
So now I will talk about my human design type. So I am a manifesting generator, hybrid type between generator manifestor, as we explained. And I think the things that stand out for me is that I have to do a lot of like honoring my energy. I think that I've struggled with having to do things on other people's timeline Mm. or being in a a corporate culture that kind of dictates your schedule. And it's really not in alignment with the manifesting generator kind of vibe, right? Like we're, we're meant to do the things that we're energetically drawn to in the moment and not necessarily force ourselves to do something because we're supposed to. And that doesn't really work with capitalist America, right? Like it's just, there's that, like there's you, you need to do these things by this deadline and we don't care about your, how you energetically feel about it. Right. In in this order. Exactly. Right. And so I've had to struggle with it and I've actually been in some clubhouse rooms with other manifesting generators and I feel like we all struggle with this. Um, so it's just, you know, it's kind of nice to like, oh, we can commiserate about how energetically we're not, we're not aligned with the task that we're, we're being assigned to. But what I, when I do find myself doing is I will write out some things I want to try to accomplish in a day. And instead of like scripting out which one is going to come first, I just kind of let myself move towards whatever task energetically I'm feeling like doing. So maybe... I have some things I need to do outside in the yard and some things I need to do at my computer, at my desk. And there's some things that I need to do with the kids or in the kids room or whatever. Right. And so I will let myself kind of move toward whichever of those buckets I feel more energetically drawn to in the moment. And hopefully I get to the other ones by the end of the day. And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I just have to like honor that energy and not like force myself to try to to do something that I don't feel. Hmm. So, you know, that that can present a bit of a, a struggle sometimes because I can get very type A, like, I need to get X, Y, Z done. Sometimes I have to, you know, just push it off to when the energy hits me to do it. Mm. So it's kind of a push-pull there. I had I knew your strategy was to respond, but I think I hadn't really come across a broken down in that way until we were preparing for this episode of how you can have an initial reaction. And so... Even like before and after knowing about human design, I was like, oh, okay, he got a hell yeah response. We're all go, go, go. But it's kind of like just like this, like sort of like just knee, it's a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like a prime example. I'm like, hey, you want to go for a walk with me and the girls? And he'll be like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that later. And then it's three o'clock and I'm like, okay, you know, you're ready for the walk. And you were like, I really don't want to do that. And I was like, (laughs) but you just told me that we would go and do this. And I would get so frustrated because I'm like, I'm going off of what you told me. Mm -hmm. And now you flip the whole script and now we're not doing this anymore. And I was excited about it or whatever. And so now... I've had to like reassess, like literally like as of today, I was like, I had to like reassess how I interact with him and like how that all comes out because that might not be how he meant for it to come out. Another thing, um, and we didn't really like dive super deep in this because we were trying to like keep it super intro, but generators and manifesting generators in their design, in their sacral center, you know, we talk about the sacral chakra, 
they have um, energy there. And so it's like almost like a battery. It like propels them and mm-hmm. it also drains and they have to recharge. But manifestors, projectors and reflectors don't have that sacral battery in the human design system. That does not mean like when we talk about the sacral chakra, like it's like they don't have a sacral chakra. That's not what we're talking about. But in that system, they don't have that energy center. So it's not like a a lot of energy going, going, going all the time. So we find out in human design, manifester needs a lot of naps. She's tired. She, I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person. Look, I will be like, there have been times, especially like in a work setting or at home, I'm cleaning the whole house like a maniac. I can pull an all-nighter. And then I would just crash and I couldn't do anything, especially at work. I'd be like, don't ask me to do anything for like a week. (laughs) And sometimes it could be longer. Sometimes it could be a couple of days. And that's actually how manifestor energy works. It's like a lightning strike. Like something is just like, zoom. Yeah. Okay, I have to do this and I have to do this now and I have to get this out. And you have all of this energy and you're like, did I have extra coffee today? And you're talking like this and you're just go, 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 go. And then you crash and don't ask you to do anything. You can't lift a finger. You can't wash dishes. And so I find out my boo has this energy center and he's got all this energy And I don't even know if I've ever told you this, but I was like, okay, well, why aren't you doing some more? You could like, why don't you wash the dishes? You could cook, you can clean. You don't smell like onion rings. Let's go. Let's tap into some of that energy when I don't have it. And then I found out that he was saying, hell no. (laughs) He was only, he only has the energy to do what he want to (laughs) do. Because my boo is in alignment and he don't be pushing himself to do nothing he don't want to (laughs) do. So another thing I wanted to bring up for manifesting generators is that specific to manifesting generators, we are meant to skip steps. So we're here to master things and find more efficient ways at doing them. And so I was raised by two generators. And generators, they follow the the steps and they get things done. And so as a manifesting generator, I would often skip steps or find more efficient ways. And I remember being reprimanded or made to like redo my homework or, you know, told that I wasn't doing it the correct way. And so I got conditioned in a lot of ways to think that skipping steps wasn't correct. And so now as I'm like embracing my human design, I'll even find myself feeling imposter syndrome. If I'm like doing something and I haven't dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and got the quote unquote credentials or whatever that are in line in terms of like following the steps to get to somewhere in terms of mastery. Mm. I'll feel like, do I have the right knowledge? Do I have the right prerequisites to be Mm. able to speak intelligently about this or to actually do this specific thing? And so Yeah, I think a lot of manifesting generators struggle with that imposter syndrome and trying to like overcome that and like really say, no, I'm a master of this, even though I didn't do all the steps that a generator would have done. Mm, That's really powerful. I love that. I love those things where in human design, it's the thing that you thought made you weird or made you less than even. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that you find out actually makes you strong and like it's something that you should mm-hmm. amplify for sure like give me more of that mm-hmm. so that's what I, I that's what i really like about human design and I, I, I always talk about the freedom and i think that's been like a theme and an intention of mine in the spiritual journey is like finding more ways to be free and this is like one of my favorite things and i can nerd out about this all day long mm-hmm one thing that I really like to explore once you like find your type and then you start kind of breaking down the conditioning of how you show up in that type and how it might be out of alignment. Um, what's really been interesting is diving into parenting and childhood, especially like both as us as children of our parents and also us as parents of our children. But what's really, really interesting is seeing like these types that are very, very different, like a generator parent with a manifester or a projector or a reflector child. And it's like we could not be any more different in how we see the world. Yeah, I think my upbringing experience is interesting in that regard. So as I mentioned, my parents are both generators. I'm a manifesting generator, so my parents and I at least had the sacral energy battery that Jen talked about in common, but my sister is a projector and my brother is a reflector, and neither one of them have that energy center. So there were just some instances where I could think of them needing more sleep or more naps, and my parents just couldn't understand and were very hard on them and you know wanted them to get out of bed and do something with their life, you know, like they were on them about those things. So definitely something that I can, even though I wasn't the the recipient of that, I can relate and I witnessed it in my own uh, household growing up. Mm. And then how powerful is it to have that information as a parent about your children and start to see how they show up and like you can better understand mm-hmm their needs, their like, and not even their thoughts. Cause I think we always think about like thinking with our head, but like instinctually. And I feel like that's how children show up is instincts. Right. Yeah. Like it's amazing to me that like a child can nurse like straight out of the womb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so that's how kids like instinctually, like how they move their bodies, what they do, how they react to things. Those are their instincts. And we start conditioning and tamping that instinct down immediately. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Don't do this. Why did you do that? And just letting that within reason flourish and develop. And, and I don't know, like study them, study them as like little experiments that you like created and just like, you know, how are you, how are you going to do this? How are you going to like work yourself through it? Like our oldest is a generator. And will make you repeat something over and over and over again until she gets it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that word? And then before you know it, she's like, oh, yeah, because I can't, you know, I don't understand. And that's dangerous. And you're just like, what? <laughs> because she made you say, like, what did you say? One more time? Say it again? Yeah. And she's doing this, like, very repetitive, like, I'm going to work until I master that. Mm-hmm. Um. The baby is a manifesting generator, so we'll see. Oh, she does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, Maybe I do see it a little bit, because she'll, like, reach for her sippy cup, and then she'll immediately throw it. And it was like, <laughs> but I thought you wanted that. And so now you're changing your mind. So what is it? So, <laughs> so 
So, you know, I there's so much there. There's so much to explore. Be gentle with yourself. Get a human design reading. I agree. Those are amazing. And we'll drop some people that we follow that offer readings that are really, really great. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll do readings. One day. Jen is a super student of human design, and I've been pushing her to step into the arena of But doing... you can't control me. Exactly. She's a manifester and doesn't want to be controlled. So, you know, maybe one day she will embrace and initiate her own human design reading. So she does it for friends every now and then. But anyway, we have talked quite a bit about the energy types and strategies We have more human design content moving forward. So be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, if you have a question, please shoot us a DM or email us at chakrasandshotguns at gmail.com. Check out our website, chakrasandshotguns.com, where you can purchase merch. And feel free to join our Chakras and Shotguns community on Patreon. And finally, if you're loving the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. Namaste. Namaste.